You are listening to Cedar Hills Community Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. A place to be loved, a place to belong, and a place to serve. My name is Kent, and I'm delighted that you're here to worship with us, and delighted to have you here online also engaging in worship with us. I'm kind of a Christmas Eve geek, and I I love the lights, I love the worship, I love the songs also. Um, Most Christmas Eves I come to, and I'm like, yeah, I'm excited to be here, I want to be here. This year, I felt like I need to be here. I need Christmas Eve. It felt like this year, the darkness piled on and ganged up on us, and I need a night to celebrate light breaking into darkness. And I'm glad that you joined us for that. I don't think any of us come here by accident. I think God has us all here for a reason. I'm here for a reason. I think you are too. I'm hoping that part of that reason is to to find a little bit of hope and a little bit of light to shine in your darkness. So that's what I'm hoping. And we're kind of reimagining the Christmas story. We, uh, as far as all the years I've been here, we've almost always talked about Luke 2, which is the classic story of the shepherds and the angels and discovering the baby in the manger. This year, I'd like to read the Matthew version of the Christmas story. If you've got your Bible, you could read along or you could open up your phone, whatever you read scripture on, follow along. It might be helpful to keep that open throughout the message. Matthew chapter 1, completely different story of Christmas. Matthew 1. And I'm going to start by reading verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. This is God's word and it's true and we can rely on it. So I've been thinking about Christmas gifts that were unexpected hits, gifts you wouldn't have thought at face value would have made it, but these did. One such gift was conceived by a guy who was listening to people complain about their pets. These complaints birthed the idea for the perfect pet, a pet that did not need to be fed, walked, bathed, or groomed, a pet that would not die, become sick, or be disobedient. I'll tell you, after dealing with my puppy today, I was thinking I needed a better pet. You know what kind of pet I'm talking about here? Anyone? Pet rocks! That's right! Pet rocks were the hottest Christmas gift in 1975. Anybody here get a pet rock for a gift? Each rock came with a 32-page official training manual entitled, The Care and Training of Your Pet Rock. I'll summarize it, and it's basically said a lot of the tricks are difficult, but the two tricks your pet rock will excel at are sit and stay. That Christmas, people bought over a million pet rocks. Unexpected. The next unexpected gift that I was thinking about is a kind of an iconic Christmas gift that came out first in 1981, and uh, since as of last year, it sold more than 15 million and uh, it's only sold at Christmas. Would you like to guess what gift this is? Anyone? Chia Pet, that's right. Here's the classic Chia Pet. 
but if anybody demonstrates the power of reimagining, it's the people at Chia Pet because they've expanded beyond the original ram and bull. Now you can get a vast of different versions of puppies, kittens, frogs, trolls, Minnie Mouse, Garfield, Scooby-Doo, Shrek, The Simpsons, SpongeBob, Yoda, Chewbacca, E.T. These are all available now for the Chia Pet lover out there. You can also get real people Chia Pets. You can get a president, past, current, or president-elect, Golden Girls, Weird Al Yankovic, Gene Simmons, and my favorite, honey, I got you a Bob Ross for Christmas. <laughs> I got the thumbs up for that one, all right. Woo-hoo. She gave me my first present earlier this afternoon. It's this fine jacket I have on. How do you think, how'd she do? All right. Who did better, her or me? <laughs> okay, unexpected gifts. Now I'm thinking about uh, the person who receives the gift of a pet rock or a chia pet, I'm guessing is somewhat dissatisfied by the gift. It's just a hunch. I know that if I received a pet rock or a chia pet, I would want more. I would be hoping for more. The next question out of my mouth would be, uh, what else did you get me? I have a theory related to this, and that's the theory that most of us, when we receive gifts, are left hoping for more. Now, I don't mean to be like a Grinch or Scrooge or anything on Christmas Eve, but I'm wondering if after all the gifts are open tomorrow, how many people have this thought? Is that it? Now, we're all way too polite to actually say that out loud, but I'm curious about how many people think that or have thought that in the past. I think all of us have some experience with chronic dissatisfaction, that no matter how much we get, we can always imagine getting a little bit more. That's kind of wired into us. Chronic dissatisfaction is a restless feeling of longing or wishing for something more. We don't always know even what the more is that we want. But we think if we just had more, then we'd be satisfied. We have this remarkable capability of feeling like there's never quite enough. We never have quite enough. I think this is true of gifts. I think it might be true of life in general. That life leaves us hoping for more. We can imagine a better life. We can imagine life with less suffering, life with less darkness. We can imagine more comfort and less stress. We can imagine a world of more justice and peace and prosperity. And we hope for more. Today I want to give you a gift that I think will satisfy. I think this is the gift that helps us overcome this chronic dissatisfaction, and I'm hoping it maybe uh, flips a switch for some of us and helps us to really appreciate the gifts that we get at Christmas. Would you like to see the gift I have for you? It's underneath this fine covering right here. Voila! Uh, This, in case you can't tell, is a stump. And just a little tip, they're really cheap this year. So, you know. The reason I'm thinking about a stump is because we've been reading through the prophet Isaiah over the month of December, and we recognize that Isaiah starts talking about this gift 
of a stump that's given to people who are beleaguered, people who are hopeless and desperate, that the people Isaiah was writing to were really downtrodden. They were facing uh, overwhelming darkness, and it was discouraging them. They, they were hopeless, and Isaiah goes, I got a gift for you. It's a stump. Now, he was giving this gift to people who could imagine a better life. They were people actually who were hoping for a better life. They imagined a world of less hunger and more feasting, a world of less poverty and more abundance, a world with less hatred and more love. That's the kind of world that they imagined, a world with less abuse, less betrayal, less slavery, less oppression. They imagined a world where justice would rule, where the unjust would be punished. They imagined a world where the blind could see and the deaf could hear and the mute could sing and the lame could dance. That's the kind of world they imagined. And they were hoping for this kind of world. They were longing for this. They imagined more, but they had not yet experienced it. In fact, what they experienced was the feeling of being like cut off, a feeling of living through oppressive darkness and being overwhelmed by that darkness. And Isaiah comes to them and says, hey, good news, I got the perfect gift for you. It's a stump. But not just any old stump. He says, this is a stump, and out of this stump, something will grow that will give you more, an unexpected more. In fact, what he says to them is, a shoot will come up out of the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. So this dead stump isn't dead. It's going to bear a little shoot that's going to come up out of that. That's going to grow into a branch, and that branch is going to bear fruit. This is the gift that Isaiah gives them. It's an unexpected more. Now, to understand why Isaiah could say this, it might help to get the backstory. So the people of God had been living for generation with this expectation that God was going to deliver them. And the person that God was going to give to deliver them had a specific title. Gary brought it up when he was talking to the kids. The, the title, Messiah that God was going to bring a Messiah who would come and save his people. He would deliver them from the darkness that was oppressing them and bring them into a new world. He would bring a whole new kingdom. And the model for this Messiah was actually the kings that had lived in the years before this. So Isaiah goes back in his thinking. He starts thinking about all the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah. And he lands on the greatest king of all, King David. And he says, from the line of King David is going to come another king that king will be like a shoot that grows up out of a stump and bears fruit someday. He says, this is coming from the stump of Jesse. Now, at this point in their history, King David was the model king. None of the other kings measured up. In fact, one of the things you could say about every other king that served Israel and Judah was this. They always left the people wanting more. In some cases, they, wanted the, they left the people wanting a lot more. They were terrible. But King David did a lot, and he was the one who was compared to the Messiah. And God says he's going to fulfill this promise of bringing a deliverer through Jesse, who was the father of King David. And this branch, this promise of a branch, was a messianic promise that ignited hope in the people. They had this, like, longing for this to come. And the, the longer they waited, the greater the hope swelled up within them. It's kind of like waiting for Christmas Eve or waiting for Christmas. Like there's this buildup that comes for weeks and weeks until finally we can hardly wait for Christmas to come. 
This is the kind of promise they were experiencing. Like they're sitting on the edge of their seats by the time Jesus is born. The people are so psyched for this. They ached for the Messiah to come. They ached for the more that he was going to bring. They ached for God to give them this deliverer to save them with the Messiah. Every day was like Christmas Eve for them. Maybe tomorrow God will bring the Messiah. Maybe that's going to be the day and we'll get this gift we've longed for. And this is why Matthew actually starts his story in such an unexpected place. His story of Christmas doesn't start with shepherds and angels and a manger. His story actually starts with a long list of dead relatives of Jesus. He actually goes way back to the beginning of his family tree to a guy named Abraham, which is where it all started. And this is what he gives us. If you want to read it, this is the first part of Matthew chapter 1. There's 14 generations in all from Abraham to David. He names all those 14 generations. Then there's 14 generations from David to the exile in Babylon. And then there's 14 generations from the exile to the Messiah. And this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. This is crucial to Matthew's story. You've got to know about these dead relatives and how this whole lineage thing comes to bear because this is the family tree out of which Jesus comes. Jesus becomes the shoot that grows up out of the stump of Jesse. He falls right in line with this family tree. Now, this is very unexpected for a lot of different reasons. I'm just going to focus on one reason, one unexpected thing. If you go back through the list of names in the genealogy, and consider each person one by one, you can't help but wonder how many times did this family tree just about come to an end? How many times was this family tree hopeless? How many times did it look like someone was about to take an axe and chop this tree down and leave nothing but a stump? It happens over and over and over again. Every generation has this. And you can go back and read these stories for yourself and find out about each character in this tree I'll just pull out a few that made me wonder, you know, how, how could this go on? It, it almost didn't get started. The first character in the tree is Abraham and Sarah. She was 90. He was 100 before they had a single heir, a single son. I could have ended the whole thing right there. It could have ended with Judah and Tamar. Tamar, who was abused by her father-in-law. This is a, a wicked story. It could have ended with Sol- Solomon and Rahab. Rahab, the spy, the foreigner, the prostitute. This is part of his family tree. Could have ended there. Could have ended with Boaz and Ruth, another outsider. It could have ended with Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. King David had an affair with Uriah's wife. This kept the family tree alive. It could have ended with Josiah, the father of Jeconiah. This was when they were in exile. It could have been done for right then. All these different times you read through this and you go, how could this, how could this tree go on? How could this family continue? Certainly by the time we get to the day of Isaiah, it looked hopeless. It looked like nothing but a dead stump. But Isaiah says, let's reimagine this. Let's reimagine the more that could come. He says, a shoot will come from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will 
delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. Not only is this stump not dead, it's going to bear a shoot, and that shoot's going to grow into a branch which bears an amazing fruit. It's going to bring righteousness and justice. It's going to set right everything that's broken. This is what's coming out of that stump. The new shoot of Jesse will possess extraordinary wisdom and discernment and truly awesome knowledge of the Lord so that the purposes of God will be fulfilled. This is the gift that he's offering these people. Someone who will come to deliver them who will actually fulfill God's will and bring God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. This is unexpected and it causes us to reimagine what else could come from this stump. Isaiah gives us some more help here. If you read a little farther down, Isaiah chapter 11, this is the kind of thing that the, the kind of fruit the branch will bear. The wolf will live with the lamb. When's the last time you saw that? Uh, reimagine. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. A little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like an ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. This is what comes from this stump. Everything that's wrong will be set right. Everything we long for, everything we hope for, will be accomplished. This is an answer to our chronic dissatisfaction, I think, in at least a couple of ways. First of all, we recognize that as long as we can imagine a world that's more and better, we should not be satisfied. We long to live in a world that's filled with love and justice, where everything that's wrong gets set right. We long to live in a world with no more darkness, don't we? And as long as we can imagine a better world, I think the prophet Isaiah would say, well, then be dissatisfied and keep yearning, keep hoping, keep looking forward to with great expectation of the day when this Messiah will come and establish his kingdom fully on earth. That day's coming. We keep looking forward to it. The second thing that comes from this unexpected gift of a stump is that we have hope. We have hope that this isn't all there is, that there is the promise that one day it will be made right. I don't know if anybody in this room has felt hopeless in the past year. Or maybe a better way to ask the question would be this. Anybody in the room feel hopeless this week? And we need something to give us hope when darkness comes. Our hope is that this stump is growing a shoot that becomes a branch that bears fruit that finally overcomes all the darkness. That's what you get when you get the stump. And if you haven't figured that out yet, the stump started as a baby in a manger. And he's coming back one day as a king, a Messiah, who will make even the great King David look like nothing. I also like to listen to Christmas carols and their words and what they're talking about. And one song that caught my attention this year was 
Uh, I think Kelly Clarkson sings it. It's called My Grown-Up Christmas List. Do you know this song? I think it's got some very interesting thoughts. Basically, she gives in the chorus a list of the things she's longing for, a thing she'd like to see more of, the thing she's hoping for. This is what she says. No more lives torn apart that wars would never start and time would heal all hurts and everyone would have a friend and right would always end, but right would always win and love would never end. I hope for those things too and maybe this has gotten you to think about other things that we're longing for. Like no one lives in a car. No one has to go to bed hungry. Healing for everyone who's sick. Justice for everyone who's oppressed. Forgiveness for everyone who's ever failed. No more tears. No more pain. No more death. These are the kinds of things I long for. And we're told that all these things will be accomplished one day when a shoot grows up out of a stump and becomes a branch and bears fruit and becomes Messiah. So if you get a pet rock or a chia pet this Christmas, I give you permission to be disappointed. But if you get a stump for Christmas this year, I hope you are satisfied forever. Lord God, we come before you this morning, and I want to thank you for meeting us here in this place, for giving us this opportunity to celebrate great gifts. Uh, We know that every good gift that we've ever received comes from your hand, and today I'm very thankful for the gift of your Son, our Savior, the Messiah. And I pray, God, that you will help us to live in this world more and more to uh, be able to cast light into places where darkness threatens to overwhelm. And God, I pray specifically for anyone who's listening right now here or online who's feeling hopeless and overwhelmed by the darkness, that you right now in this moment would shine some light into their life, bring some hope and some peace and some joy and some love. We all need a lot more of that. And we know that one day you're going to complete every good work that you've started until there's nothing but perfection. And we are looking forward to that day. And we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We pray you were blessed by today's message. If you'd like to support the ministry of Cedar Hills, please visit our website, www.cedarhillscr.org.